This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you locally by Smiley One. Heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the best choice for your comfort. I am Daryl Ryder, Andy Baskin on holiday this week as uh, the Browns uh, continue their preparations, getting ready for Sunday's game in Washington against the Commanders. The Browns, they are out of it. They cannot make the playoffs. The Commanders fighting for their playoff lives as Washington is a win, plus some help from the Lions, Seahawks, and Packers away from clinching a playoff spot, which when you think of that at 7-7-1, seven, seven and one, considering all the stuff that goes on with the Washington Commanders, they're basically the East Coast version of the Cleveland Browns when you talk about drama and off-the-field stories. So much surrounds that uh, franchise, and we are going to talk to our good friend, uh, Craig Hoffman. He is the host of the Take Command podcast and the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 in D.C. We're going to talk to him uh, not only about this game, but, well, the state of the Commanders and just everything that's been going on. It is amazing what Ron Rivera has been able to do with that football team. Here in Cleveland, Kevin Stefanski kind of got his hands full trying to keep this thing uh, afloat over the final two weeks of the season. Some some news and notes, I guess, uh, we can pass along to you. Um, as we record this podcast on a Thursday, we got to visit with Deshaun Watson uh, and his uh, weekly media availability. One of uh, the things that came out from that conversation the P word. No, not playoffs. Patience. Deshaun Watson seeking patience. Uh, displaying patience. Yes, he's anxious to kind of get back to where he was in 2020, or as he has put it, he wants to be better than he was in 2021. He led the NFL uh, in passing, but 
He wants the opportunity to continue to build upon what they've been able to kind of get going here uh, in these four starts. Statistically, not great, but that's not what Deshaun Watson is looking at. He's looking beyond uh, the box score. Came up with Kevin Stefanski in conversation. Look, I have been a proponent that I feel like the Browns, if you can get better than Kevin Stefanski, in your, your coaching, if you can get better than Andrew Berry in your front office, they need to attack this offseason in those positions the same way they attacked their quarterback situation last year. Baker, good. Not good enough. We can get better. Go out, get Deshaun Watson. I just feel like that organizationally, those are things that ownership has an obligation to explore. Now, if you can't do better than those guys, then you don't make change. You bring everybody back uh, next year for year Number four, but if if there's an opportunity for a Sean Payton or a Jim Harbaugh or someone like that, a proven winner that has done it the NFL level and been successful and has that type of resume, I, I think that as owners and stewards of this team, those are things that you have to explore. Now, Watson kind of disagrees with me here. He really feels like that, uh, you know, he has talked about uh, the relationship that he's had with Kevin Stefanski, how those two really seem to hit it off. Uh, in their meeting in Houston when the Browns were pseudo-recruiting Watson to uh, waive that no-trade clause. But he basically said on Thursday, hey, had four games with each other, a little bit of the offseason. But, you know, as far as the hot seat and the media conversation and that, um, he believes that the right decision is going to be made. But he made it very clear. We all trust Kevin. They love Kevin. They support him. They respect him. Um, and... He wants to continue building that trust and that chemistry uh, with Kevin Stefanski. Joel Batonio echoed uh, those same sentiments, too, uh, where he basically said, hey, I believe Kevin's the right guy for the job. He's the right guy to kind of get us uh, where we need to go. Um, as far as availability for Saturday's game, uh, Jadavian Clowney, I guess, is really the big question mark. Came back on Wednesday from the concussion he practiced. Then Thursday comes. He's nowhere to be seen on the practice field. Turns out illness, unable to go. Uh, so that's a TBD. Uh, we'll see if Jadavian Clowney ultimately returns this week or not. But that ultimately uh, is a, a bit of a question mark. Uh, everywhere else, I think the Browns are in, in fairly good shape. Uh, Amari Cooper is going to play. There's there's really no uh, issues there. When you look at the, the injury report uh, for this week, I, I don't see anything to where uh, there needs to be a, a great level uh, of concern uh, when you look at uh, availability uh, for Sunday. Uh, maybe Jed Wills, just because he has not practiced uh, the last two days because of the back injury, Friday is going to be a big day. Unfortunately, we are. Uh, we um, we uh, uh, will find out. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, ho hopefully uh, you'll listen to this podcast before the Browns uh, announce whether or not Jed Wills is going to be available. But that is something to keep an eye on there uh, because, again, he has not practiced this week. But, again, everybody else I, I fully expect uh, to, to be able to go outside of uh, Jadavian Clowney. So those are our two guys that we have to watch for uh, Friday when we get our game status updates that we uh, – we typically do, but you know, the mood in the locker room, I can tell you this, it's, it's upbeat. It's positive. Uh, there's not a lot of guys hanging their heads, sulking. The, they have been eliminated. Yes, there is disappointment because they didn't live up to expectations, did not make the postseason. but um, it, it, you know, 
whether it's Deshaun talking about it or Amari Cooper or, you know, some of the other veterans, basically the message is we're going to find out who loves football uh, come Sunday afternoon. And the expectation is that everybody uh, is going to be given, um, you know, max effort. Uh, leadership has been a bit of a theme uh, when you look at this Brown season, as far as question marks go. Um, I don't think that the Browns have enough of it within the organization, both off the field as well as on the field. I think the product on the field is reflective of that. And the fact that this team, despite all of the talent, was unable to make the playoffs. Um, I, I liked what Amari Cooper had to say on Thursday when he talked about he didn't he didn't want to say or didn't know why the Browns haven't been able to live up to the expectations, but he he did make it pretty clear. It takes more than just pure talent to be successful uh, in the National Football League. And uh, the Browns, unfortunately, they're exhibit A. They have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, but they've just not been able to live up to those expectations. But there are two more games to play, including this weekend in our nation's capital. It is the Browns visiting the Commanders. Coming up next, we're going to visit with our friend from D.C., Craig Hoffman. He's the host of the Take Command podcast and the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. We're going to talk a lot of Browns Commanders coming up right here on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you locally by Smiley One. Heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the best choice for your comfort. Joining us as we get ready for Browns and Commanders in the nation's capital, he is Craig Hoffman, the host of the Take Command podcast, our sister podcast uh, with the Commanders, and of course, also the host of the Hoffman Show on the team 980. Craig, thanks so much for the time. Uh, you got it, Daryl. Although this morning when you came on our podcast, you told me the late recording time I could blame on Baskin, and he didn't even show up. Ah, Andy. Ah. He's, he's on vacation. Literally um, on vacation. <laughs> okay. uh, it's still his fault. It doesn't matter. It's still his fault. It, it, it's, but when in doubt, we blame Baskin. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and dive right in. Browns, Commanders, yeah. Washington, they are still alive at 7-7-1. Seven, seven uh, what's been uh, happening with this uh, this team? They seem like they're a rather pesky bunch. Not a lot of stars, but they just seem to find a way. Uh, why is uh, Riverboat Ron Rivera have this franchise afloat despite the raging dumpster fire that surrounds him? Uh, well, man, that's a that's a question I spend three hours every day on the Team 980 trying to answer, Daryl. Um, I, I would say this, the roster is actually pretty talented. Um, defensively, their front is about as good as you're going to find in the NFL. Um, maybe the Niners are better. I mean, the Niners are probably better. Um, but outside of that, is there, are there many teams that are definitively better? And especially if Chase Young comes back and plays really well? No, like John Allen and Deron Payne are incredible interior defensive linemen. They are top five in basically every statistical category that you can accumulate as interior defensive linemen, sacks, pressures, QB hits, tackles for loss, you name it, they do it. And in the modern NFL, when you have two interior guys like that, your defense just elevates to an extremely high level. Um, their secondary has stabilized through most of the middle of the season, uh, last week notwithstanding. Uh, is Cam Curl, who missed the first couple of games, came back from injury. Very, very talented player that not a lot of people know about at safety, and he should be back this week for them. Benjamin St. Juice, their young corner, uh, he's a TBD with an ankle injury, but he's really helped stabilize after William Jackson III uh, was a complete bust in free agency over the course of two seasons. And then offensively, they kind of found this rhythm in the middle of the season where they ran the football really effectively. They have led the NFL in time of possession for most of the season. And then it puts not a whole lot on the quarterback's plate. And of course, this week, uh, as I'm sure folks are aware, if they're listening to a podcast, that means you're probably a pretty big fan and, and are following what's going on with the game. Uh, Carson Wentz is back as the starter after Taylor Heineke kind of pulled them from the abyss. So there's a lot of questions that come with that, but that's the basic formula. Really excellent defense. Uh, offense that did enough and had a formula that helped maximize the defense. And uh, now they're holding on for dear life. 
Uh, well, uh, as someone who covers the uh, the leading quarterback uh, drama kings of the National Football League, well, at least until the arrival of Deshaun Watson, right? He's starter number 34 since 1999. So uh, you mentioned Heineke pulls the the commanders out from the abyss, right? They get the slow start under Wentz, two and four. He gets banged up. Heineke uh, comes out and wins five of seven. Well, I think they want, uh, what, five, one and one uh, over yeah, that. Yeah, six, one and one stretch. in his starts, yeah. But uh, then Rivera benches him Friday, or I should say last week in San Francisco, and goes back now to Carson Wentz. What on earth is going on? Yeah, it's a fair question because from a record standpoint, you go, well, let's see. Wentz was 2-4, and four, and the last win was the Thursday night game in Chicago where he threw for 99 yards. Uh, granted, he did that with a pretty banged-up finger that then kept him out and required surgery, so there's that. But they were they were one and four to start and two and four in his starts overall. And then Heineke goes six one and one, ultimately six three and one. And that's the problem, is the trend is going the wrong direction. Um, he's a little banged up as well, uh, which I think does contribute to this. Uh, he actually didn't even practice on Wednesday, uh, got the day to to recover. And he's just physically limited. Like there are things he does well. And and it's really odd, Daryl, because they like they Wentz and Heineke kind of come out to the same production level. It's really bizarre because their skill sets are like they took one really excellent quarterback and peeled it apart in the center. And there's almost no overlap. Like Wentz is a statue. Heineke's really mobile. Carson has a howitzer for an arm. Taylor has a pea shooter. Like there, there's just, you know, <laughs> the areas of the field they attack. Like Carson is great or better, I guess, on like outbreaking routes towards outside the numbers. Heineke operates mostly between the hashes, like, or between the numbers. Like, the, it is wild how differently they operate the same offense. And that's kind of the question, though, is if they put Carson in Taylor's offense, which is much more in a box, much more limited, uh, a, a scaled down playbook, they're not trying to do too much, and they're trying to really not have a high neural load, to borrow my co host Logan Paulson's favorite term, not a high mental strain on the quarterback what does Carson look like? And they're hoping it's the guy that was in Indy last year, not in week 17 and 18, but the guy who won nine straight games. Why they couldn't figure that out at the beginning of the year, hey, we should do the version of the offense that won him nine straight games. I don't know. I cover the commanders, man. They're only so smart. But that is the hope, is that with Ron Rivera more pointedly telling Scott Turner, hey, this is the box. Don't leave it. Run the ball a ton. Let's do what we've done to be successful, that Carson can actually operate that at a higher level than Taylor did, and thus they can score a few more points. So, uh, of course, the Browns passed on Carson Wentz in 2016. They made that big trade with uh, Philadelphia uh, to give the Eagles the number two pick. Wentz now, I think, has the NFL record for the most draft picks traded to acquire him. <laughs> what a stat. <laughs> So, That's so awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm curious, like, you know, in your interactions with it, does he like hold a grudge against the Browns? Like his first NFL game, which happened to be against the Browns for the, he embarrassed them. Like the, the Browns look like a bunch of morons when, when the, you know, uh, yeah, those first he, two years, Wentz made a lot of people look silly. It's been yeah. He, he made them look that. really stupid, but, but I think that everything's kind of evened out now in, in recent years. So just, uh, is he still pissed at the Browns? 
Um, that's a great question. Uh, since I'm not on the beat anymore, I don't have a chance to talk to him very often. Uh, actually, I don't even know if I've interviewed him. Uh, now that I think about it, uh, that's again, we could go way inside baseball and the media lines that get drawn in this town, but that's a different story. Um, I, to be honest, it didn't come up this week in his press conference. Um, it's the kind of thing that I'm sure was a bigger deal in Philadelphia um, because they were the ones who made the trade. But I mean, he's now on his third team and in many ways, his last chance. Um, I mean, that was kind of the question. I mean, a lot of people got upset when it was asked to him him earlier this year like hey is this your last chance he's like I don't know like I'm just out here trying to play football which is the correct answer but also a fair question to ask and so I think because Washington's in the playoffs because it's his first start back like there's enough other storylines that it, that it doesn't come up but it is the kind of thing that I wonder when he goes home you know and he's talking to his wife or you know playing with his, his two little girls if he's like watch what daddy's gonna do to the Browns this weekend he's gonna show them but also I mean at this point he's like 30 years old um, he's not a young player anymore, and I tend to think yeah. it, the more you go through in your career, you tend to to let go of some of those things. Although uh, we both have been around sports long enough that there are some real, and I say this affectionately, there are some real psychopaths in sports, and guys like Draymond Green who can name all 35 players who were drafted before him, they never forget. I don't get the sense that Carson's one of those guys. So let's talk about Chase Young for a second. He's back now. Um, just where is he at? What can we expect to see from him? Because when healthy, dominant player. Uh, sure. You know, he, he can he can wreck a team's afternoon. Right. Yeah. So uh, what's going on with him? What can we I guess what should the Browns be worried about uh, su Sunday afternoon? You should be worried that he's getting back to the guy that they drafted um, and that he was at Ohio State uh, if game one back for him was any indication. And I'll get into some of the details in a second. Uh, but obviously toward the ACL over a year ago. He was kind of like, is he going to play? Yep. Nope. Is he going to play? Yep. Nope. For about three, four weeks. Like he was on the active roster for a month before he actually played, which last week led us to his final, you know, finally his debut. And he was supposed to play between like 12 and 16 snaps. He played 32. And that was because his conditioning was so good. He looked really fresh. He looked really good. There was no pain. And, and it's just like, wow. Okay. Is, is Chase Young just back? Um, and it, the first like five or six snaps, he was pretty tentative, but then he kind of felt out the game and he just went and, and the, the detail that's important here, Daryl, and, and this is getting a little nerdy, but that's what we do on our podcast. If you want like an hour of super nerdy fo football talk, uh, on the commander side of this, like check us out, we'll scratch your itch, but his rush angle last year was awful. Um, he started to freelance a lot. And in, in this defense, it's super important to be gap discipline, gap sound. It is in most defenses, but especially the way this one's designed and to not let quarterbacks out of the pocket, especially important this weekend against a guy in Watson, who's, you know, as he's made his way back, obviously been running quite a bit. And so his rush angles were getting super wide. And it's something that he excelled at at Ohio state. He was able to win without cheating basically. And because he is playing here last week, he looked like he was laser in on that kind of detail. It's elevated my expectations for him, frankly. Now, it's one game. Could he lose that? Yes. Uh, we'll see how he feels after playing for the first time and, like, bouncing back and, and all of that. But it's the kind of thing that I think there was a lot of nerves, and frankly, not just from, like, fans and analysts. The coaching staff kept really being fine with him not coming back. Because they're like, oh, our line's playing really well. Our line's playing really well. We don't need him. We don't need him. Which to me was code for, we're scared he's going to mess it up. Because opposite of Montez Sweat, who's also a really good rusher, they had James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill and F.A. Obata, three like good NFL players, not, not anything special, 
who were just doing the job and doing it at a really high level. And they were afraid that Chase freelancing was going to mess it up. And instead, he makes a couple of plays last week. You're like, oh, right. That's why you were drafted number two overall. So the guy that, you know, people up in your neck of the woods obviously saw at Ohio State, he might be back. And that would be a huge <laughs> boost. And by the way, James Smith-Williams, who was the, the guy who had the most snaps, the starter while Chase was out, um, he has missed a couple of days of practice with the concussion. Not sure if he's going to play this weekend. So uh, Chase is also kind of needed in a way that he wasn't for most of the year. All right, hang tight. More with Craig Hoffman coming your way next on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We're back with Craig Hoffman. He is the host of our sister podcast in D.C., the Take Command podcast. You can also hear him on the Team 980 weekdays, The Hoffman Show. As we continue our conversation, previewing Browns Commanders Sunday in our nation's capital. I want to talk about Ron Rivera here. Um, One of the things that I think has been missing with the Browns has been leadership. And leadership even at the head coaching level with Kevin Stefanski. As much as I respect Kevin's uh, football acumen, um, I think he's fantastic with the offense. There's no issues there. But there's a leadership void with this team. All this talent that the Browns have. I think if you put these two teams side by side, I, and just looked at them on paper, I think you give the advantage to the Browns, but it's the commanders who play better as a team. And I think Ron Rivera is a big part of that. And there's just been obviously so much ancillary stuff that has happened. And, and believe me, the Browns are the Kings of the ancillary stuff as well. But I think the commanders have really taken it to another level. Yeah. We got a congressional investigation. What's up. Right. Yeah. When, when, when Congress is getting involved, at least we haven't had that here in Cleveland, a congressional investigation, but just how, what is it about Ron Rivera from a leadership standpoint because I think from a player perspective, if you see all this stuff going on, it'd be so easy mentally to check the hell out and get wrapped up in all the the nonsense, if you will. What is it about Ron Rivera's, whether it's leadership style, personality, whatever, how has he been able to really steady such a rocky ship and have this team a win or two away from the postseason? Um, I think it's... I think it's a consistency of message. Um, and I'll say this about Ron. Um, I think Ron's an A to B coach. I think Ron is a guy who takes over a, a, a program, if you will, that's in distress and can write the ship and, and will consistently get you exactly where they are. Like he, he's there. Is he the guy that gets you from here to a championship? I don't think so. 
Um, but that's that's a different conversation for like the Washington side of things. But I think that guy at times, which by the way is very frustrating, right? Because you're like, oh well, good job. Now like, what? Where do we go from here? And it's like nowhere. Well, ah, but. I think it's really important, and certainly fans in Cleveland can appreciate this out, uh, better than basically anyone outside of Washington and the parts of New York that root for the Jets, of like how important it is to have some kind of stability within your organization. And I think to the point, like the Jets might have this with a guy in Robert Sala, who's much younger and not as developed in, in the league, but like you see what kind of the leadership is, is happening there in New York. Their number two overall pick quarterback is a dumpster fire in a New York media storm, and they're on the verge of the playoffs. So, like, leadership really matters in that way, and a consistency of message, and a, and a and that ultimately leads to players believing. And Ron has this saying that drives a lot of us in the media nuts, but I think it actually works, uh, which is what's interesting and what's important. And I don't like all the ways he uses it because I think sometimes he will put non-football stuff in the interesting, not important category. And it's like when you're talking about sexual harassment, that's really important. Like those kinds of things are on a societal level important, but what he means, and I will give him this credit that he's not being obtuse. He's just being kind of, I would say lazy with the terminology is like his job is to win football games and all that stuff is floating around there, but it's not important to winning the football games. It literally does not matter to win the football games. And so he uses that framing often to be like, oh, well this storyline about Carson Wentz or this storyline about Dan Snyder or this storyline about whatever is interesting and like I don't mind you media folks talking about it but I'm going to tell you for me that's not important and I'm going to tell the players it's not important and we're going to focus on the important things that's going to win football games and that is something that I think resonates with guys who I mean you've covered the NFL a long time uh 52 guys in a locker room or, or whatever the number is now with the extended practice squads and it seems like there's I saw a number today like the Titans have used like 84 guys this year so whatever numbers in, in the locker room 53 and 16 yeah, there you go. Um, so, of course, you still know that. I, I gave that up, the beat reporting up, and I'm like, yeah, somebody tell me who's playing on Sunday. Um, but, you know, you have uh, groups of guys that do care. Like, a lot of people say, oh, football players only care about this. And it's like, no, if, if, once you get 53 plus 16, you're talking about a wide variety of, of human beings who have a wide variety of moral compasses and values and all those kinds of things. And the, the trick is to not tell person A, you're right. as a coach, the trick is not to be like, person A is right, person B is wrong. Let me apply my moral compass to all of you. My job as a coach, if I'm Ron Rivera, is to focus all of you on the singular task that we are being paid to do. And that doesn't mean that you can't care about the other stuff. It just means we don't need to worry about it collectively. And I do think that that framing and the fact that like, look, the NFL is a ruthless business. And so at the end of the day, like these guys have to kind of care about that because otherwise they won't have jobs for very long. Um, that, that helps keep them focused. I also do think this is a talented roster, by the way. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a a thing we can get into if you want of like who actually has more talent, the Browns or the commanders. But like, I do think there's a lot of unheralded names in Washington that also helps a lot of them, by the way, were here before he got here. Um, you're, you're Terry McLaurin's, uh, being chief among them. Obviously someone Ohio state fans are familiar with. Um, but like they've got a lot of talent too. And, and I think the focus and the talent come together. Uh, you subtract quarterback fiasco, and that's how you wind up around 500. It, it is pretty amazing to, to watch that from afar. Again, just because as someone who covers a team that always seems to make more news off the field in the offseason rather than in the season when it comes to 
to winning games. I, it's impressive to watch. I mean, it, because there's just so so many opportunities where, you know, I've been waiting for the commanders just to like go completely nuclear off the rails. Right. And, and by the way, they were two and four. Right. And, and, and Daryl, I'll even tell you this, right? Just for, for context, um, they were one and four the day the ESPN Snyder story dropped. The bot like the story, right? right? My show that day, uh we start at three o'clock. I think at five fifteen, I did my first football segment. Okay. We're on wow. three to six. Okay. I did two plus hours of Dan Snyder, what the hell, on a game day. Because that's how big that story was. They won that night to go to two and four. And then next thing we know, they're in the playoff race eight weeks later. Like they're in right now. If the play, if the season ended today, they're in. That's how focused this team has been through that and how close they were to the brink. Because they're one in four. The biggest story probably outside of Watson of the year drops on them. And that's when they went on their run. Imagine if they lose that game in Chicago and it goes the other way. Like, that's how close it was. And Rivera, th- there's all kinds of nits to pick with him as, as a football coach, decision-making, whatever. I think his staff is really poor. But as a motivator, as a focuser and leader of men, um, he's he's pretty damn good. It, it is impressive. All right, wh- last one for you before I get your prediction. Uh, let, let The elephant in the room, Dan Snyder. Do you believe he is going to sell the team? And um, who's hedging the bets as far as who the new owner is going to be? Who do you think it'll ultimately uh, pony up there? I'm guessing we're talking four, maybe five billion with a B. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. This is going to be seven or eight, which is why he's wow. going to sell. Really? Um, there was a report, a couple of reports last week as the bids were coming in. Bids were due on the 23rd. And that uh, there was a report initially from Forbes, and I do believe uh, my colleague with 106.7 The Fan and NBC Sports Washington, JB, uh, JP Finley, had some additional reporting as well, that this thing's going to get over $7 billion, which is why he's going to sell. Um, we, ha- we are very lucky in D.C. to have the great David Aldridge uh, in our town writing for The Athletic, uh, the, the Hall of Famer that most folks know from his days at TNT. Yep. And our, David was on my show a couple weeks ago, and he goes, when the Balmer sale happened with the Clippers, Balmer was offering a billion dollars. And it wasn't moving fast enough. And he goes, screw this. I'll offer you two. And at that point, the deal got done basically the next day. And while they, that's not going to happen because it's not going to get finalized till the owner's meetings, there is no way in hell they are not getting – they can get $8 billion for a team, and that means the rest of their – they being the owners, right? $8 billion for a team. The rest of their team values are now based off of that. And yep. they get to get rid of Dan Snyder. There is no way he's not selling. Um, whether the, I think the biggest question remaining is whether or not the Mary Jo White report comes out, which could have a lot of sordid details on why he's being forced to sell. Um, a lot of them have already out there in Congress, et cetera. And, and the reporting, it's not going to be a lot of new information. It's just going to be stuff that was reported on by the NFL. And that's the one that the rest of the owners are waiting for. So are they going to have to kick him out or is he going to go? I tend to think if he can get, you know, 7 billion, he's going to go. And I think this thing could get closer to eight. Uh, and part of the reason why is I think Jeff Bezos is legitimately in this and he is one of the richest men on the planet. And if he decides that he wants to buy the team and won't be outbid for it, he's got more money to, to go. Um, there's a couple of other folks, Josh Harris, uh, for instance, uh, who's the owner of the Sixers. Uh, one of the owners of the Sixers is another name that's been bantied about a lot. Um, Matt Ishbia, who just bought the Suns, was uh, in the mix for it, but he's probably out because he bought the Suns. 
Um, but I think Bezos is is easily the leader. He owns the Washington Post, for those that don't know. Um, so he's got some DC ties. And, they and Amazon. <laughs> yeah, well, right, right. But in terms of DC, I was going to say Amazon as well. They actually just uh, about a year ago, uh, I think, opened a pretty big facility here in DC. So he's got some DC ties through Amazon, through the Post. And, uh, you know, he's also got 100 billion or whatever he's got dollars. So, you know, if he wants to, that'd be so cool. Like, yeah, I'll, be, I'll spend 10 billion. I still got 90. What, what do you want me to do? It's a cash sale. Like, that's what's amazing about it. Like, he could literally just pay in cash. No banks involved, right. no financing. No, which like, which is important, right? So not to get too much of the details here, but like there's a certain percentage that has to be liquid, which knocks out a bunch of buyers, right? Like it's one right. thing to be able to leverage $5 billion, $6 billion, $7 billion against your assets in a bank. Bezos not only has the required portion, he's got the whole thing liquid if he really wanted to, but this is actually not going to be a 7 or $8 billion purchase. This is really like a 10 to $12 billion purchase because whoever's new is going to have to buy or build a new stadium. And I don't know that anybody's going to give a whole lot of public money for that stadium. I think the, that people will want it between D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, uh, who are all going to battle for it, uh, especially if it's, if it's not Dan. But I think it's going to be mostly financed by the new, the new rich guy that owns it, and they really need an upgrade on their practice facility. So there's a lot of money to be spent outside of buying the team itself. Well, I've always said that if Dan Snyder does sell that franchise – and I mean this with all due respect, it was going to have nothing to do with what transpired with that organization. And that's a shame. Oh, yeah. It was good. It was going to be straight money. And the fact that he was unable to get public money through three different Maryland, Virginia, and DC all want nothing to do with the guy and will not participate in a stadium. And as you know, Nobody loves their corporate welfare more than the NFL and, and stadiums. And the fact that that hasn't, I, I honestly believe like that's the root cause of all this is that the stuff that happened with that organization or allegedly happened within that organization has affected the business. And therefore that's why Dan has to go. Not because right. of anything that did transpire. And I think people kind of need to understand that this is a straight business decision like if this team ultimately gets say it sold it'll be under the guise of well bad stuff happened within the organization that was the frosty on the cake no it comes down to the inability to get that public money down there for a brand new stadium i think that's true for a lot of owners um i do think there's some, some specific allegations against snyder that if they were confirmed in the mary joe white report that would be an excuse to get him out but if this dude was printing money I don't think that they would be as willing to push him out. Um, he also doesn't feel shame, um, which is kind of an important thing here. Cause that, and I mentioned that not to like poke fun at the guy, although right. by all means, uh, yeah. but like Jerry Richardson left on his own accord. Cause he's like, I feel shame for what happened. Right. I should go. Like I will hang my head and walk out the door with my many billions of dollars. Um, and Dan was never going to do that. Um, so that's, that's another important part of this. Um, do I think there's some owners with some level of moral compass? Sure. Um, I think there's probably more who are like, please don't look at me. Yes, a hundred percent. And uh, as we've had this great conversation, I think they took out another 12 seating sections of FedEx field to reduce <laughs> the capacity for the 100th time. I remember that building open. It was like state of the yard. It was 80,000. The place was back. 90. And at 90, I'm sorry, I shorted yeah. it 10 grand. And now it's, it's, I think it's 52 now or something like that. Yeah, like there's like three sections of the upper deck still standing. The rest of it's the Rakers. Craig Hoffman, he is the host of the uh, the Take Command podcast in D.C. That is our sister podcast. 
You can catch him uh, weekdays, the Hoffman Show on the team, 980. Great stuff, Craig. Before I let you out of here, give me a prediction for uh, Sunday. I'll go Commanders 21-17. Uh, I, I think it's kind of going to play out. The Commanders have played oddly like on their level consistently the whole year. They've lost to teams that uh, are better than them. They got stomped by the 49ers, for instance. Uh, they have beat the teams that they're better than, and I, I, I do think that they're better than this version of the Browns at this point in their season. Craig, appreciate the time. Good luck uh, the, the rest of the way. Thanks, Daryl. Always good to talk to you, friend. It's always game day in Cleveland.